Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Read a passage of scripture, then we're going to pause and pray. And uh, so we're looking at Joshua chapter 3. Verses 1 to 5. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and the ark, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Amen to that word this morning. Father, we take a moment just to pause. We take a moment to ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be present in the preaching of your word. I pray today, Lord, that you would fill these words, that they would become your words, they would become saturated, that they would mature in our hearts, as the Spirit does a work in us and through us to receive your word, the seed of your word, into our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Because you have not crossed this way before, how many of you like change? Wow. Most of you, you're, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good survey. About 95% of you hate change, which is about right from most of the surveys that you'll get. We love the routine, we love the regular, we love the known rather than the unknown, and we like to walk within the safety and boundaries of what we know is ahead rather than what we don't know is ahead, the unknown. Is, is that true today? I think it was Mark Twain that said about the only person that enjoys change is a wet baby. <laughs> And that's probably the truth too. You know, we, uh, we tend to shy away from uh, change and from the unknown. And so the Lord gives his people clear instructions as they're about to cross over the promised land. Now we've got to get this into perspective. This isn't just going for your average Sunday afternoon walk. This was the culmination of 400 years of slavery where the nation and the children of Israel had been promised by God their own place to dwell. By the way, which they're still fighting over to this very day. If you've seen the news, the rockets have been flying in from Gaza uh, all last week and the week before, and it's been a tumultuous time for uh, the nation of Israel. And so please, the Bible exhorts us to pray for Israel. Please continue to pray for the safety and the protection of Israel. I read an incredible story of the survival of a family this week. In an apartment building, the siren went off. They ran to the safe room which is a fortified steel room and within the apartment. You've got to understand, this is how Israelites live in modern-day Israel. And they just closed the door and a rocket hit their home. 
And uh, this is mum and the three kids, and all of them survived because just as they closed the door, the rocket hit, and uh, they all survived. And so we understand that, looking back at this story, we understand that the, right here, they're, they're literally on the precipice of crossing a geographical boundary, the River Jordan. And it was in flood, it was in the springtime when the mountains of Lebanon uh, begin to thaw and all the water rushes off the mountain down the River Jordan. And so if any of you have been to the River Jordan, like it's like a creek, you think, well, that's not much. But this was springtime. This is where the river was flooded. And you've got to realize logistics of getting three million people across a space of water with no boats, no ships, no barges, that this was an issue. And yet they saw just across the other side of the river, this is what God has promise us. This is our inheritance. This is what our forefathers have been believing for. This is what we've gone through all the trauma. We've gone through all the hardships. We've been make, tried, been told to make more bricks with less straw. We've been under the taskmaster of Pharaoh. We've been through a t- t- terribly difficult time for 10 generations and they're right here ready to cross over into the promises of God. You know, God has promises for each and every one of you. Did you know that he has a predestined plan? According to scripture, before you were born, God knew you. Isn't that an incredible thing? To know all of that and that there is a plan. And and often, as we don't know the Lord, many of us don't come from Christian homes or families. And we grow up not understanding that there are promises. There is a spiritual inheritance. There is a destiny, a purpose, and a plan from God that has been mapped out for your life. But sometimes there are Jordans in which there are barriers. There's things that are going on in your life right now. There's obstacles. There's hurdles that you've got to jump over in order for you to reach the promises of God for your life. And sometimes those hurdles, sometimes those obstacles seem like giants to you. And you think, how am I ever going to get to where God has showed me that God has promised me when I see so much opposition in front of my life today? So God gives some special instructions to Joshua, the leader of God's people. And he says, sanctify yourselves, which means set yourselves apart. He says, get ready. For tomorrow, after 400 years of promise, after walking round in circles for 40 years in the desert, did you know that astronauts, when they look down on planet Earth, they say that the, that the place that is most similar to the landscape of the moon is the Sinai Desert where the children of Israel walked around for 40 years? It's a barren place. It's a, it's a harsh place. And a journey which should have taken them five to six days or one week took them 40 years. And they would routinely set out as the pillar of cloud would move. God said, I'm going to be in the midst of you. And when you see the pillar of cloud over the tent of meeting or the pillar of fire move at night, I want you to uproot everything. I want you to pack up your tents. It was a mammoth logistical nightmare. But whenever God said, set out on a routine march, we're going to move, then the children of Israel had to move. And so finally, you know, there's always a, there's always a purpose. Understand this. There's always a purpose in the mundane and the routine rituals of your life. 
sometimes we think, God, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of the mundane. I'm sick of the routine. I'm sick of the normal. But you need to understand in that 40 years, God was preparing his children to get ready to go in and inherit the land. God always is preparing us for the fulfillment of the plan and the promises that he has now. Don't miss the preparation time in your life. Don't do what they first did when they first left Egypt. They all began to moan and whinge and complain about their lot. And they were belly aching all the way through the desert. And they began to, and God would answer their moaning and their whinging and their whining, and He would send quail, He would send manna into the desert, He would provide water in the midst where there was no water, water out of a rock. God would provide. He's such a loving Father, amen? He does incredible things. But through it all, unfortunately, one whole generation had to pass away. The only two people who had ever crossed a barrier in the children of Israel was Joshua and Caleb. And here they are standing 40 years later on the banks of the River Jordan. There's only two people have ever walked this way before. Two mighty men of faith. The rest of them, this is the first time they come. And I want to talk to you today about what it takes for you to cross over into your promised land. What is it that God is requiring of you in order for you to fulfill the purposes and plans of God. Amen. We don't want to be walking around in circles for 40 years in our life. We want to begin to get in and start seeing those promises come to pass. This is the tension that every Christian lives in. The God we serve is a God of promise. He's promised you many, many things. But if you're always living in the promise and never see the fulfillment, it can become discouraging for you. So God wants to be able to develop something in you that's preparing you to go in and take the land, to go in and deal with the giants that are opposing you, to go in and take them. Even when 10 spies said, we can't do it, two of them were filled with faith. Two of them said, we can do it because we serve a mighty God. And they went in and they took the land. Joshua and Caleb. Caleb's 85 years old. Caleb's 85 years old. And he says, give me the toughest assignment. Give me that mountain. I'm going to take my men. We're going to take down the mountain. You know, what a spirit of faith and an attitude of faith. That's the attitude that's going to get you and I into our inheritance, into the full swing of what God has promised to us. Amen. If you believe that, give me an amen this morning. So I want you to see in this first verse an important word picture. Verse 1, Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out. Literally, the Hebrew, Hebrew word for set out is NASA. NASA. I often wonder if this is where they, the space organization came from, was this Hebrew word NASA, which means to set out in a routine and regular fashion. Now, this word was used 89 times in the book of Numbers where the children of Israel regularly set out on a journey and on a routine event that God put them on. So they were familiar with NASA, but there's a new word in the book of Joshua that comes about, and we see it at the end of this verse, where he goes on to say, I want you to set out from Acacia Grove, come to the Jordan, you and all the children of Israel lodge there before you cross over. This is the Hebrew word, Abba. 
Abba. And between Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 5, this word is used 21 times while NASA fades out and is only used three times in the book of Joshua because God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's saying, I don't want you to go routine anymore. I don't want you to sit out in a regular routine fashion. I want you to get ready to enter something brand new. And you're going to cross over some barriers. You're going to cross over into a land where, yeah, it's filled with milk and honey, but there's giants in the land. There's a fortified city waiting on the other side called Jericho. But I'm going to take that city down. I'm going to give you a strategy and a plan to enter into the promises of God. And friends, I wonder today if we're ready, if you're ready for the new thing that God has been preparing for your life. A new day had come. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Bless my wife in the name of Jesus. You said that the righteous would suffer persecution. (laughs) To, To bless those who persecute you in the name of Jesus. So preparation time was over. It was now a new day. And God was warning his people to get ready to start fulfilling the promises that he'd spoken over your life. Many of you in this room have received prophetic insight and foresight about the plans that God has for you down the track. And my prayer is that you'll daily prepare, that you'll do the NASA You'll sit out in the routine fashion and you'll draw near to God, that you'll get into your life the routines that are going to enable you to present yourself so that you can stand on the banks of your Jordan and you can be ready to cross over into your promises, the promises that God has spoken for you. Because I want to tell you, friends, it's not just going to happen. God, the Holy Spirit, is a co-worker. We're called to co-partner and co-work with the Holy Spirit, which means that we need to have a relationship with Him so that we understand that as we work together with God, He'll present scenarios and situations, and you've got to be ready. When He says go, you've got to be ready to go. You've got to be ready to put that best foot forward and get on the front foot and begin to take the momentum that God has designed for your life. You know, it's so hard to try and move forward when you're always on the back foot. It's time to get on the front foot. It's time to get ready to cross over into those promises of God, to get ready for that, the fulfillment of what God has been speaking to you about. You know, we have many seasons of fulfillment in our life. But I want to tell you, the plan of God is to go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. That means that God has ever-increasing steps of fulfillment and promise of glory within your life. And I know some of you have been smashed by the devil. I know some of you have been through some terribly difficult times in your life. And I know the devil has tried to eradicate you like a pest. But I want to tell you, if God is for you, who can be against you today? I want to tell you that the God, the, the God Jesus Christ who gave his life for you on that cross, who died for you, was buried and rose again. That resurrection power is waiting and available for you to step into. And, and you need to know that when God is for you, your enemies cannot and will not and shall not hinder the progress that God has appointed for you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You know... This new day, I believe the church of Jesus Christ globally is right on the precipice 
I don't think in my lifetime I've never ever seen so many signs of the last days of the fulfillment of Matthew 24 and 25 where Jesus talked about the signs of the return of his coming where we're seeing so many of those signs now right before our very eyes but you know at the same time that Jesus predicted that there were going to be challenging times of great tribulation he also predicted that there was coming a day where the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon the whole earth that the glory of the Lord would be seen as the waters cover the sea, so God's glory would cover the whole earth. That there is a special plan of God for the church to arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, the prophet Isaiah spoke. And so we're living in both precarious days, but some of the most exciting days in history are right in front of us today. And we need to experience some crossover moments in our life where we can be part of the fulfillment of this great end time move of the Holy Spirit where God shall pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. These are the days of Elijah, the second preparing the way of the Lord to come again in these days that we live in. Some momentous times ahead. And so for us, we're like standing on our own riverbanks of the Jordan. And we're saying, if you're anyone that has the Holy Spirit within their lives, they're saying this, they're saying, God, how can I be involved? I don't want just to be an island and an individual. My westernized thinking, it's all about the individual. I want to get with my clan. I want to get with my tribe. I want to understand that my tribe, this church, Faith Point Church, has an inheritance in the nation and the nations. And I want to be involved in crossing over into the promises of God for this clan and this family. So I want to prepare myself. I want to get ready, get ready, get ready. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. We go in and we possess the land. Amen, church. And so the Holy Spirit is challenging us to break out of NASA, to break out of those regular, sometimes monotonous routines and be prepared for God to break in to your world and be prepared for a few miracles to come your way. Amen. You know, life is full of these Abba experiences that we call them the crossover times, you know, in your life. Your mother probably had one when she gave birth to you. (laughs) Praise God. I never heard a mother saying, Mike, that was sweet. That was easy. No worries. No problems. You know, you had, you had those moments. You probably had a couple of those moments in your childhood. You definitely had those moments when you were coming to the end of high school. Some finished high school earlier than others. And you come to the end of high school and you think, what on earth, what on earth am I going to do with my life? You're standing on the banks of the Jordan and you're saying, what on earth is this person going to end up doing once I finish the routine and the regular timetable of high school and enter the big wide world. Shall I go to university? Shall I head to further higher education? Shall I get a trade? Shall I become a tradie? Good old Kiwi tradie. Shall I look at getting an apprenticeship? What shall I do? We have these crossover moments within our life where big decisions are waiting for us and there's a lot resting on them for your life this morning. Do I get married? Who do I marry? 
If that's a yes, well, who is the one? Massive decisions. I say, I say to people when I'm taking them through premaritals, I say to them, the second biggest decision of your life is choosing the person that you're going to marry and spend the rest of your life with. The first greatest decision is to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And so the massive crossover times within the life of the individual. But a church has crossover times. We have times as, you know, God looks at us, he looks down on us as a people, not as an individual, not as a personality who's leading the church. God's not interested in personalities. He's interested in his plans and purposes being brought to pass. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call the solitary and I'm going to bring them into family. And I'm going to connect people from all different racial ethnicities and backgrounds, from poverty to riches. And I'm going to bring them all together in one clan. And I call it the local church. And I've got a plan for that church to bring them into a place where they're going to cross over and they're going to get involved in their community. They're going to get involved in their marketplace and they're going to see the hand of God come and begin to deliver the people that are around about them into Jesus Christ. Wow. We've all got to make that crossover period where we cross over from being an attender to becoming a disciple of Jesus. To become, it's a shift, it's a transition, it's something that we need to step into and with, within our lives. We cross over from being happy just to be in isolation how many of you would say that you're more happy to just kind of be on your own? You know, you could handle it in a place like that. Or you, you see, there's not many of you. Praise God. There's, oh, there's a, yes, I see those hands. I see those hands. We'll pray for you later. Hallelujah. We'll lead you in the sinner's prayer. Praise God. But I tell you what, in modern 21st life here in Auckland, New Zealand, it's an effort to make connections. Hello. We've all got a lot going on. It takes so long to travel from one part of Auckland to another. Amen? I'm talking to the converted. I know I am because I see everybody else in their cars as we're trying to get from one point to another. And so to work on making that crossover of just being happy in your company or being happy in your spouse's company to realise that God has enriched you to enrich others. That you're blessed to be a blessing to others. That God actually wants you and needs you in in place of the body to connect and be a blessing to others. That's a crossover point that we've all got to make within our life. Crossing over from being just a spectator to a participator. Oh, friends, I've been in large churches where it looks magnificent from the outside. That car park is jam-packed full. But nobody knows anybody else. They're like little islands on their own. And God wants to bring us into a place where we have true covenant relationships and connections with one another. And so that's a crossover period where we've got to work at it because sometimes you might want to say, oh yeah, I could get to know that person. I reckon this person would be a real nice person to get to know. All people that wear orange are nice people. So I want to get to know that orange person. And you might make an effort to get to know the orange person, but the orange person doesn't want to get to know you because you're the black person or you're the white person. 
in my case, the white person. <laughs> hey, you made that decision 31 years ago. <laughs> Don't go complaining about it now. It's too late. So don't be disappointed if you're making an advancement to trying to get to know someone and it doesn't work first time. Go again and again and again. You know, it takes, it takes time to build healthy relationships. And we've all got to make those times as members of the family of God, you know, where, where we're understanding that the strength that we bring to the family is a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's where we're not snacking on the Word, we're feasting on the Word. Where we're not dipping in for a few minutes to say good morning to the Lord and a few minutes to say good night, but somewhere in our day we're connecting with the King of Kings. And we bring the vibrancy of that relationship into this house, that when everybody comes into this house, as we gather together on our meetings, then we bring something that supercharges the atmosphere, because where there's unity, God commands the blessing. Amen? And so we've got to understand that today. We have crossover moments as churches, you know, like I took notice of the prophetic word from Len. He said, 2021, God's going to give you a facility. 2021. And I'm thinking, how on earth do we get a facility in two years in the city of Auckland? But you know what? That's not my problem. That's his problem. If he said it and I believe it, then that settles it. And you need to believe with me because, you know, the, 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 the team that sets up here and packs down here every Sunday, they would actually like to be able to come a little bit later. They would like to be able to leave a little bit earlier every week. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, I hear those voices. I hear those sheep bleating in the wilderness. No. <laughs> and so that's a crossover moment, however that comes about, where we're making some big decisions in the life of a church. So you've got the point today. And there's very three short and simple observations that I want to give you this morning out of this passage that show us how we can cross over those, those challenging moments where the fear of the unknown is screaming in your face and trying to paralyze you into making no decisions, trying to paralyze you into taking a step backwards or standing still, stuck, frozen on the spot, instead of moving forward into your destiny today. And the first one is this, is that we need to respect and chase the presence of God within our life. Where do we get this from in this passage? We see the passage there. And they commanded the people in verse 3 and 4, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after the ark. Go after the presence of God. Chase God's presence around about your life. Don't allow the pastor or the small group leader or whoever it is, the elder in your life. No, they, they can't do that job for you. You've got to do that job for yourself. You've got to be able to get out of bed in the morning. You've got to be able to worship God and learn how to seek the presence of God within your life. And you know how you do it? You do it one minute increase each day. That's how you do it. Step by step, inch by inch, little bit by little bit. And before you know it, you, this, is, this is you. Before you know it, this is you. Oh man, I've got to get to work. I so want to linger here a little longer. I so want to stay here a little longer because I'm sensing God's presence filling my tank. 
I'm sensing the power of the Holy Spirit at work within my life. Lord, I... I'm sorry, I'm, I, I, I have to go. I'm not clocking off. I'm going to talk to you all through the day. But I just love this unbroken, unbridled time of resting in your presence. And Joshua says here, when you see the ark, chase it. When you see the presence of God, chase it. Be purposeful about building a life of the presence of Jesus around about you. And daily you can know the renewal of God's presence. What does Isaiah 40 say? Verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. This is what happens to you when you make the presence of God a priority within your life. Suddenly that giant step across the river Jordan, when God's presence is flowing through your life, when God's presence is around about your thinking, where your mind is being renewed daily by the Word of God, suddenly it's only a weeny teeny step across that barrier instead of the giant step that the devil's trying to make it out to be for you because you've saturated and marinated yourself with a relationship where you're calling the presence of God around about you. He's speaking to you daily in the word. He's speaking you in the still small whispers. Give him an opportunity. Go after it. Joshua says, chase it down in the name of Jesus. Secondly, he says, sanctify yourselves. That's a nice churchy word. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. The word sanctify means to set your life apart for God. It means to dedicate yourself to the Lord. It means to prepare. It means to consecrate. These are all synonyms for the word sanctify. Basically, it means this. Put your life into a state of readiness and preparation and be willing and ready for what God is about to do within your life. Have you ever known that? Listen, how many of you have gone through the rigmarole of having to get a car? I went through this last week because one of my boys had a nose to tail a little while back and the insurance, it was a little ding on the front and the insurance said, that's written off. I'm going, What? You know, well, the tow truck will come and pick it up. I said, no, he's still driving it around. He doesn't, you know, I don't understand the realm of panel beating. All I know is that it's, it's really, really expensive. And anyway, so we had to go looking for a new car. And so you decide on what kind of car you're going to get. You know what happens when you focus? You know what happens? Suddenly you see that car everywhere. Oh, there's one. There's one. Oh, there's twin, twins. Twins. I see that one driving down the motorway. Suddenly you see that car everywhere. Why do you see that car everywhere? Because suddenly you're focused and you're able to see clearly when you bring your life into focus. When you prepare and dedicate and set your life apart for God, watch what God will do within your life. He will accelerate His purposes through your life. And not only that, because He can trust you, He'll set up many new crossover moments within your life because He knows that you've got the faith to believe what He can do in your heart. You know... There's a story in the book of Joshua that I want to bring your attention to. Because I was thinking, how can I explain this in a way that we get it? And anyone heard of a guy called Achan? Achan was, uh, he was one of the part of the tribe of the children of Israel. And when they went in to take Jer the city of Jericho, 
In fact, when they went into any battle, God had very strict instructions to the soldiers that went into battle. And this is what he said. He said, I don't want you to take any of the silver, the gold, the loot, the nice clothes. I don't want you to take any of that for yourself. We're going to put that into the combined treasury. And out of that treasury, that's what's going to keep the economy of this nation going. So those things become accursed. That's the word the Bible uses. So that, that simply means this. If you touch accursed things, you get cursed. Because God said, don't go there, don't touch them, don't get involved with them. They're off limits. I've set them apart. And if you come in the battle and you come across silver or gold or fine expensive things, I want you to take it, not for yourself, and bring it into the, the shared pot for the economy and leave it there. And so Achan, as they're, as they're taking the city of Jericho, comes across a beautiful Babylonian garment. I can only imagine what that garment would have been like. He was so taken by it that he's, he, the Bible says he coveted it, which said, I must have it. I must have it. I can't leave this place. I'm not putting that into the treasury. I'm taking it for myself. He saw a wedge of gold and silver coins and he took them all and he buried them into the ground under his tent. So they take Jericho, which was a momentous, huge fortified city. God flattens the walls. They take the city. Only Rahab and her family are saved, which is another story in itself. And then they've got this next battle, the battle of, some say I, the battle of I, A-I, or the battle of A-I. I don't know how you pronounce it, but the battle of I. And, uh, and they, Joshua sends the scouts ahead and they come back and they say, don't send the whole army. They're just, they're just small town boys. Just send a couple of thousand down there. We'll deal with them. The boys are tired from taking Jericho. Just send a few down there. We'll take the city. So Joshua goes on the recommendation of his lead scouts. They go down there and they get a hiding. 36 lives are taken. Now Joshua is a man of God and he understands if God is for me, then who can be against me? And he suddenly realises that there are some against him that they're backpedalling and they're backpedalling because something's gone wrong. The favour of God has come off the children of Israel. And so Joshua tears his clothes, gets down in a moment of repentance, cries out to the Lord and says, Lord, what's the problem here? You sent us to take the ground. You sent us into battle to win battles, not to lose battles. And the Lord said to him that there's something unholy in your midst, that somebody's taken accursed things and my hand is no longer on you because of the disobedience of one man. What we do really does affect one another. Because if we read the Bible, we're actually connected as a body. Now, we're living in a different age and a different time. We're living in a, a time of grace. But I want to tell you, when the church takes this thing seriously, we begin to understand that our behavior actually has an impact upon our church in some way, shape, or form. So Joshua narrows down who it is, finds out that it's Achan, he confesses to everything, and he basically says this to Joshua. He says, I was so taken with this Babylonian garment that I, I just couldn't turn away, and I had to take it for myself, and the gold, 
and the silver. It didn't belong to him, it belonged to the Lord. You know, sometimes we have to a little bit, be a bit careful with our giving. You know, if, you, if you've got a situation in your life where, where, the, where the house of the Lord is absent in your giving, then I believe that you need to recheck it because if you look through the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, you'll find out that God has some very specific instructions that not everything that you get is for you to keep. He says you can keep 90, but you give 10 to me, and I'm going to look after you for the rest of your days. I promise. Will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you so that you will not be able to contain it? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And so we've got to learn the lesson that it all belongs to God. And he says, I just want 10%. And if you feel moved to give anything over and above that, then I, I, I want to continue to pour out my blessing upon you. But if you're going to give a little teaspoon offering to the Lord, and if you're going to tip God, then don't expect any huge blessing to come back to you. You know, that's that scripture, as a person sows, so they shall also reap. Is anybody hearing me this morning? And the spirit of which the scripture speaks to us. And so here's the lesson that they had to learn. Verse 13 of chapter 7. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Friends, I want to tell you something. You cannot, I say this emphatically today, you cannot take higher ground if the enemy has a claim over your life. It just won't work. It's gone very quiet in this first church of the frigid air. And it, this is how it works. God covers us with his grace when we acknowledge our wrongdoing. And so if you're trying to move forward and take Mount Everest in your life, and you've got this glaring thing in the sight of God that you refuse to deal with, that's unresolved between you and the Lord within your life, then I want to tell you the higher ground is never going to happen within your life until you acknowledge that accursed thing and you deal with it and you allow the Holy Spirit to shift it for you. Now I've known people, even in my own situation, I had to go back to a former employer when I got saved. I'd stolen things off him and the Holy Spirit told me in a prayer time, I want you to go back to your employer. I want you to pay this much money. I want you to confess to him that you're a thief. And I want you to take back and offer this money to him. Now, I went back with that with my employer, and for a moment he had me on, and he said, I'm just, I'm just waiting. He waited for a full, like, three to four minutes, just making, sitting, my, sitting there packing myself, because <laughs> he said, I'm just making a decision whether I call the police. And I'm thinking, hey, God, you told me to go and do this. And, you know, but I knew, I knew from the moment the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to restore to your employer what you've taken from me. Now, listen, that's what the Holy Spirit said to me, not to you. He said that to me. And so I knew I could not make any forward momentum and progress in my life until I restored what I'd taken and I was honest about my behavior. So I went back and I did that. And God blessed me as a result of that and continues to bless me this day. I believe that none of the blessings that I've had, and I've had some substantial financial blessing within my life that has come from outside the church of Jesus Christ. 
Because if you get to know me, you'll know that I'm never bleating and going on about money. But, but I know my Father's going to provide for me. And I believe that one of the key hinges of that blessing over my life was my willingness and my obedience to go and do what I did with my former employer. Because it was an accursed thing in my life and I had to clear it up. Is anybody saying amen this morning? So... As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Lastly today, together, the power of unity. God said, I want you to cross this Jordan. The priests and the Levites are going to go first. I want you to follow after them. And then God said, this is how I'm going to do it. If you'll be united and if you'll walk across this Jordan together, then I'm going to perform a miracle. Look at the miracle in Joshua 3 verse 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. So as they literally put their tippy toes in the water, for the Jordan overflowed all of its banks during the whole time of harvest. Verse 16, the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. Whew. The city that is set beside Zaratan, so the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over the opposite of Jericho. Listen, friends, I want you to get this. As they obeyed and united together in harmony and unity, they crossed the Jordan as commanded by the Lord. God performs an incredible miracle. He backs the water in reverse to a place called Adam, which is no coincidence, because I want to tell you something. When you're obedient to the Lord, the power of God will reverse the effects of Adam, your spiritual forefather, and you will find yourself walking in victory and the power of God and the plague of Adam's sin will no longer impact your life because God will reverse the effects of Adam and back that water and those past lives, that past things in your life, right back up until you can come through and cross you're into your promised land today. Hallelujah. So my friends, as we finish today, I want to ask you one simple question. What river is God calling you to cross over today? What is it that the Holy Spirit may have been tapping? I, this is how I find God works often. When God brings a word to my heart, then this is for numerous people in the congregation today, where God is speaking to you about taking a step forward into an area that has been challenging for you, an area that you've found it difficult in the past, an area that you haven't got complete victory over. Sometimes it's an area that's been hanging around you for a long time and God's been tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want you to walk and cross over this barrier within your life and I want you to begin to walk into the promises that I have for you. I want you to be free. I don't want you to be cowering on this side of the Jordan for the rest of your life and you get to heaven and you start thinking about all the, I wish I could have. I wish I could have. 
I wish I could have broken out of that fear. I wish I could have been stronger. I wish I could have been more bold. No, friends, today is the day that you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and to begin to say, yes, God, you are for me. And, that, and I declare over the future days of my life that I'm stepping into every promise. I'm stepping into every plan of God that you've mapped out for my life. And together we can do it with you, Holy Spirit, with you, Faith Point Church. We can begin to cross over. Let's stand to our feet this morning.